verses tonight. I don't know how many of them we will go through. But I'm encouraging you to be able to follow along if you can. Psalm chapter 40, verse 2. This is something that the psalmist David wrote. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. That's not something Joseph wrote. Joseph's the one that was thrown into a pit, right? Remember? David, to my knowledge, was never thrown into a literal hole in the earth. But he says here, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Now, most of us, when we think of David, and when we think of anything negative to do with David, maybe the only thing you can think of is the um, the saga with Bathsheba and Uriah. Um, not much more can be said negatively about David in his dealings with his life. We know that he was chosen by God at, from a very early age to be king, the God's anointed one. We know that he slayed Goliath. We know that he uh, had a long season of running from Saul, uh, the Saul drama where he just He'd see him, and then he'd hide for his life, and then he'd see him again, and then he'd hide for his life, until finally he became king. Um, you know, there, does, uh, there is the one instance where it talks about he took a census, and that didn't please God. Um, but there's not a lot that we know of about David that would make me think about him being brought out of a horrible pit or out of miry clay. And David is the psalmist that writes uh, 150 plus psalms just in the book of Psalms. And all the other recordings of his life and his story and the details that he shares. There's not a lot. I mean, I guess I would call him an artist. What, what, what I know of him and how I think of artists in the sense, you know, he wrote these. We, we might call him a songwriter in today's vernacular. Or you might call him a musician. Uh, we, think, we tend to think of those people as artists. And we tend to think of artists as having a flair for the dramatic. And, he, and, and in some of his writings, you can sense that, that he did. But... I don't know that he ever really led on. The Bible never really lets on to the fact that David had some horrible past life. I think that's a fair statement. We don't know that he had a horrible past life of any kind. What Everything we know about him, is, save for those instances I just mentioned, uh, point to him being 
a good man, point to him being a godly man. Um, the Bible says, a man after my own heart is how the Lord described him. So, so David is a good guy. What we know of him, he says it there, he brought me out of a horrible pit. He put my, rock, my feet upon a rock, verse 30, and he hath put a new song, sorry, verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth. I want you to notice David really only introduced or talked about the negative in his background so that he could say, then the Lord did this. He put a new song in my mouth. I don't write depressing songs. I don't write songs of failure. I don't write songs of sadness. Woe is me. Songs that'll just touch the emotion of a, of a person that's going through a dark time. I don't write those kinds of songs. He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. There's not a medium that really goes into your soul so quickly and sharply as music that I know of. Some people say it might be uh, painting or poetry or while well, we're talking about the arts, you know, oh, that just really speaks to me. But music and I don't care across what genre, how old, how new, which artist, male, female, music accompaniment, whatever it is, that music can just pierce the soul of a person. I think David knew that. And even knowing that still, he didn't try to use his, his talent, his background, his story to grasp people with his story. You understand that? It was just a small, tiny little part of who he was. The things that were his, you might say, negative experiences in his background. In comparison to all that he writes all that he shared, all the things that he spoke of and wrote about and sang of and testified about was praise to God. He's, it's like David is saying, I was stuck in this place spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I was stuck in this place, miry clay. But what the Lord did is he came along and he took me out of that place and he put my feet on a rock to stay. And now that I'm here on a rock to stay, why would I even go back and dwell on or think about or recall the times in the pit? I have no interest in going back and reliving those days, those years, those moments, those whatever it is, weeks, hours, minutes, decades, whatever they are, 
I have no interest in spending my time there because he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. Isaiah 43, 19. Isaiah 43:19 Behold I will do a new thing Now it shall spring forth This is the the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah I will do a new thing it shall spring forth shall you not know it I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert verse 20 The beast of the field shall honor me the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16. Again, the, the Lord speaking through a prophet, this time Ezekiel 34, 16. I, I'm not going to read the whole context, but this is the Lord speaking about his people, and he's, he's, he's calling them himself a shepherd and his people sheep. And he says, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken. Everyone say, bind up. Now, you just have to take my word for it in this context again. He's talking about himself as a shepherd and his people as sheep. And so it, he's giving the imagery in each one of these things as you or I, his person, his child, being in the place of the sheep. And these are the things he will do. First, he says, I will seek that which is lost. If I've got a sheep that's missing from the flock, I'm going to go find it. Let him wander around out there. I'm going to go find it. I will bring it, that which was driven away. I'm going to go lay hold on it, take it back to the flock. And I will bind up that which was broken. And I will strengthen that which was sick. I'm going to go get a lost, hurt, sick sheep and I'm going to heal it. Why? Because that's just who I am and that's what I do. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. I want to focus on the part where he says I will bind up that which was broken. If you can put yourself in the place of the, the sheep what the Lord wants to do is heal bind up means heal whatever thing needs to be done I'll tell you a quick little story one of our puppies had a paw injury details left out for sake of sensory 
But uh, she started walking around, and the kids were like, oh, there's, there's blood everywhere she steps. And we looked at the foster, and there was blood on there. And uh, I'm not a vet. Kids even thought this was almost comical the way that I said it. I said, she knows what she needs to do to get better. And we don't want to get blood all around the house. So put her outside. I promise you, the animal knows how to take care of itself. And we'll check on her again in a little bit, in a little bit, in a little bit. And sure enough, it wasn't even 12 hours later, the blood was gone. Stopped bleeding and she's okay. That's a dog. You're not a dog. You are not supposed to know just how to bind yourself up, take care of yourself, and just do whatever you think is best for you and get through life that way. You can't do it. We try. Oftentimes, mo a lot of people spend most of their life trying to heal themselves. Or trying to find what remedy is going to help with their ailment. And go from this to this. To trying this to trying this. What are they trying to do? They're trying to bind up something that they don't know how to heal. That's the Lord's job. Everybody say, that's the Lord's job. Now just think for a moment. If the Lord was really your healer. If the Lord was really your physician and he came into your life and healed something, the way that he knows he's supposed to heal it, then what sense would it make for me to go around continuing to be hurt or continuing to act like I'm not healed? Either the Lord heals or He doesn't. Either the Lord fixes or He doesn't. Either He wants you to be whole or He doesn't. And I believe that He does. But we get to put ourselves into the picture and say, Oh, but I get, I, I get so much more sympathy when I tell my sad story. I get so much more benefit when I, when I am maybe not perceived as fully healed in, in one way or another either to myself or to a person that I'm talking to and I would rather hold on to a little bit of this injury not because I don't want to be healed or whole but because I, I want to be able to I want to be able to play the emotional game. That is not something God is interested in. David, who we just talked about being probably one of the most emotional type characters, didn't play that way. He said it very quickly. I was this and he fixed me. Now I'm this from now on and I'm, my tune is praise. Nothing else. My tune is not... Oh, uh, there once was a man. 
David who was terrible. There once was a man named David whose house was falling apart. No. The Lord makes me who I am. This ought to be the one thing that so marks the church of God that it is nothing like the world. The world says, who are you? What are you? Where are you from? What makes you who you are? The world wants to give you a label, give you an identity, and say this is who you are from here on out. You're that. You're this. It could be race. It could be gender. It could be age. It could be financial status. It could be physical location and geographical. You're this. Whatever it is, that's what the world wants to label you as and say, now that you are this, there are certain things you can do and can't do. There are, there, are, there are limitations. But not only are there limitations, there are expectations. Because you are this. The thing that ought to make the church so opposite to that is it doesn't matter who you are what you are what you were where you're from it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter your social status none of that matters because it's an old thing 
And if any man is in Christ, he is a new thing. A new creature. Those old things are passed away. As in, gone forever. That's the term we use a lot of times when we talk about somebody that died, right? They passed away. Not, when, when we say somebody has passed away, we don't mean they're taking a nap. We don't mean they're on a sabbatical. We don't mean they're on a vacation. We don't even mean they're backslidden. We mean they are dead and gone and never coming back again. Never to be seen or heard of ever again. We understand that when we're talking about people and that are alive, but when you're talking about yourself and the old thing about you, why is it so hard to say that is dead and gone and never to be seen or heard from ever again? Why is that so hard? If we really believe the Scripture, the old things are past away all things are become new I think David understood this and that's why he couldn't just write half of his psalms about the old David there's not even one psalm in there about the old David and if you're thinking it's Psalm 53, it's not. That is the start of a new David. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. I don't, Lord, I don't need to take any more time or space in writing to write about the things that I did wrong. I don't, it doesn't even deserve the time or the energy or the effort for me to record in Scripture, I was this. I was a murderer. I was caught up in this. Lord, uh -uh. have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. That's all we need to do. new. Everybody say it's new. All things are new. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed. Such were but ye are washed. I, 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 can, I can feel this. And it, it, it's, a, it's a legitimate question. Legitimate thought and concern. If I don't... If I don't remember who I was and what the Lord saved me from, what good is my testimony? 
If I don't have the story to tell about where I came from and what I did and who I used to be, then what good is my testimony, my friend? Your testimony is your present. Not your past. Ye are washed. That's your testimony. Oh, but I, I, I could be so effective at reaching this one type of person that came from this one type of place that I was in. Really, that's what you're worried about is how effective or not you might be. What do we call that? We call that flesh glorying. Ah, ah, what do we call that? We call that pride. No, it, it, it's almost crazy to think that not only does the Lord have to save you from the sin and mess that you were in, but He also has to save you from the pride associated with who you used to be. Oh, what, Paul. Paul. What did he say? I'm going to boast. Oh, so we get to boast. We get to brag about... No. I'm bragging not about all the wrong things that I used to be and used to do. I'm boasting about my present what, he said, I would rather glory in my sufferings, in my trials, not glory in the fact that I used to be a terrible guy. I can talk about how awful I was. You can't talk about how awful you were if you're not that anymore. And if you truly, truly believe that that is passed away. Such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Colossians 3, verse 3. I'm not going to take the, a lot of time to, I don't want to read this because I don't want to get off on this tangent. But the Lord was talking to me earlier about the scriptures that say, you who were dead in trespasses and sin. You hath he quickened who were dead. I, I, I want to try to sum it up this way, okay? And then hopefully we can move on from this. You were, you, were, you were not alive at all. You were nothing. Then you were conceived. And the moment that you were conceived as a human being then you had flesh tendencies and human nature. Human nature is condemned to sin. Still with me? 
So, being dead in trespasses and sins means if you are a human that lives long enough, you will face trespass and sin. Therefore, in the human element, you are dead to it. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened means he put life in you. He brought you to life. So we, we equate this to a new birth experience. You are now born again, and your, your spirit is now alive to God. That is one side of this dead and living coin. This scripture is the reason why I just wanted to say all that. Because now he says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This is a present mode of living. You live as you dead and your life hid with Christ in God. Verse 7. Go to verse 6, sorry. You, you, you are dead and your life's hidden in Christ. Hidden with Christ in God. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7. In the which ye also walked some time. This is just like what we read earlier about you were this, but now you are washed and clean. You also walked some time when you lived in them. Verse 8. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. There is this There's this re reoccurring theme that Paul writes about. It's all throughout the scripture, really. The old man, the man that you used to be, there is not one good thing about him. Not one. Oh, but he got me this far. No, he didn't. God did. Oh, but at least he loved his wife. No, he didn't. God did that through him. Oh, but at least he, was a, he tried to be a good dad. No, he didn't. God did that through him. There is not one good thing about the old man. And until you understand that and start to live that way, you're, you're going to have a, a difficult time justifying the past the past me, the previous version of myself, which should be passed away, the old man, and then a new creature coming to life. But until you fully understand and let the Lord help you view the old you that way, you're a danger to yourself and to those that you speak to. I'm sorry, that sounds harsh. 
but this is what I mean by that. If, if, if I don't have full truth of me and the work that God did in me, then when I start to talk to Him about me, it's not true. It's not based in truth. And so what is it doing? It's harming Him. It's not helping Him. It does not help Him for me to go to Him and say, I can tell you how bad I was. I, I, I realize this is this is so foreign to a lot of th- things that we talk about and the way we talk about it because we 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 are conditioned to think that part of our witness and part of our testimony is what God pulled me out of. That's why I started the way that I did with David. Because if that has to be a part of your witness and your testimony, make it as minuscule a part as David did. Not, I got 99% of my testimony bad, 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 bad. Oh, but God's good. Amen. So he can be good to you too. That's not helping anybody. Verse 10, and have put on the new man. Verse 9 says, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10 says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Really quickly, Philippians 3 and 7. I'm not, I'm not going to take the time again to read the, the whole context of this, but Paul is talking about his past. And, and, and he starts by saying, if there's any man that feels like he can claim that he's good based on his deeds, I can claim better on the, my past deeds. I'm willing to... I'm willing to put the old guy, Saul, up against any one of you and how good you think you are. I know this is what we flipped. We were going from talking about how bad we were to talking about how good we were. And he says, you know, most of you have heard this. I was a Jew. I was schooled here raised this way, taught this way. I, I, I knew everything I needed to know and I did everything I needed to do. He says it here. But what things were gain to me? That means the things that brought me up to this point and looked like good things in my life. Those I counted loss for Christ. There is not one good except God. That's what Jesus said. The man comes to him and says, Good master, why do you call me good? There's not one good but God. That's what Paul is saying here. 
you can, we can debate our good all day long, but there is not one good but God. I counted all of my good, all of my gain, loss for Christ. Verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count. He goes from past tense, counted all in the past, to count, present tense, still, today. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. There is nothing, there is nothing, everybody say nothing. There is nothing in my life that I need in my life that the Lord can't take away from me and me still be fine as long as I have the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I'm going to try to be careful and not not do what Paul would not would have wanted, which is allow his flesh to glory. But I was thinking, and just an honest question to the Lord, God, why did you choose Saul out of all of us? Or I guess I should say out of all of them. Because he was a Jew. He was, he was raised just like all the rest of those of his day. He, he, he was, I mean, Lord, why did you, what's, what was so special about him? I think is the way I was trying to express that to God. And I was, I'm, I'm thinking, did you, did you know, did you like look into the future enough to see he had these certain qualities and characteristics and traits that, that would make him able to do all of these things? What was it about him? Well, I'll tell you what I see right here. He is, if I can put present tense on it, willing to give up everything. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He's saying, I don't care what it is, good, bad, or ugly about me. I'm not holding on to it. I, I, am, I get less and less interested in this guy Paul every single day and anything associated with him. And I care more and more and more about God and everything associated with him. See, I think this is the problem. I, I, I'm not trying to be critical any more than is necessary. But I think this is the problem with us, so many of us in our human nature. If we were to try and, if the Lord were to allow us to attain this level, I wonder how many of us would, would not be able to detach our old life, our old man, from the new man to the degree that it's all loss. And there's nothing important 
about me at all. It's not an easy thing to even try and wrap your mind around, but it's even probably an even more difficult thing to confess. I still, I still am me. I still have my stuff. I still care about my day, my time, my this, my that. I still care about those things so much that if I were to be told you have to lose it, I don't know that I could. And what would I do? I would be fine to relegate myself to second-tier Christian. What do I not have to do, Lord, and still be saved? What do I not have to give up and still be able to make it to heaven? That I can't tell you how hard it is to even say those words because it expresses such a rotten attitude, but it's just humanity. Okay? And I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying this is humanity. Humanity would say, what things can I keep? What, even what part of my own identity can I keep? It's not what Paul said. Ephesians 4, 22. Sorry, no, Romans 5. Romans 5 and 6. I'm getting close to done. I've just got a few passages left. Romans 5 and 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were yet without strength. Next verse. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is my past. That's the only place I'm comfortable seeing my past. Now, and I'm going to mention it this way. Because when I say my past, I don't just mean, so what, I was six years old when I got baptized. So I don't just mean five-year-old and four-year-old and three-year-old and two-year-old, one-year-old me. I was seven-year-old, seven years old when I got the Holy Ghost for the first time. So I don't just mean six and down me. I'm talking about my past anywhere up to the moment, including this moment that God has to save me from me and my past. 
the only place I'm comfortable seeing my past is right there. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. There is nothing else about my past that I'm proud of. Nothing. Not even, mm -mm, mm -mm. not even if I think it's going to make a good story or help someone. I'm not proud of that. That's the only place I want to see my past. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. That's how I know He loves me. The next verse. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. I, I, this is me. This is the new me. I'm saved. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, everybody say enemies, the we there is me and God. When we were enemies, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. That's my present and that's my future. My present and my future is all after his death for me. Last passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Ephesians 4 and 22. Oh, sorry, let's go to 21 real fast. I'm trying to give you a little bit of context at least. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is, is in Jesus. So Paul is setting them up by saying, yes, you were this. He did this for you. Verse 22. So here's some instruction. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Oh, please hear me. I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. This is not instruction for you and me to stop living like the old man. That goes without being said. Don't do the stuff you used to do. I don't think we need a whole book from Paul to tell us that. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Have nothing to do with that man. Don't carry him around in your pocket and pull him out when you need to remind yourself or somebody else of how bad the old man was. 
Oh. If I have to have a reminder, constantly, occasionally, or otherwise, if I have to have a reminder that the blood of God really covered me and changed me, I need help with my faith now. Not, I need the reminders still. There's somebody that lives in your past that would love to constantly bring up those reminders, even if you think it's in a good way. Oh, remember this, but I used to do this, but now I'm not anymore. Thank God for that. No, that's called the accuser that would love any occasion to bring up your past. Even if you, hear me please, even if I think that by me telling somebody all of my dirt on me, this is going to help them, if I am not fully 100, 1,000% completely healed, from all that past stuff, I don't need to say it. Why? Because the accuser is there. And the accuser knows how to accuse. He knows how to get in your mind and say, oh, you think you overcame that. Oh, you think you're better than that now. You think it just makes a good story that's going to help somebody. But trust me, if, this is why I said it. If you're not 100% healed from it, over it, completely gone, don't say it. I was just telling somebody this earlier. The difference in a scar and an open wound. A scar has no feeling left on it or in it or around it. It's healed. You get a scar on your, you get a cut on your arm and then you get a scar and it's healed. You can do that all day. No feeling, it's healed. But I promise you, if it's not healed, you start doing that, you're going to feel it. The feeling is still there, and I don't care how long ago you got that injury. If the feeling is still there, if you're not completely healed from it, talking about it to anyone except God and your oversight is not going to help. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is a different conversation for a different day, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But I wonder how many of us are trying to make the old man holy. 
uh, I'm just, that's what the scripture says. The new man is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. The old man, nothing holy about him. You ever heard this, this phrase, you can't put makeup on a pig? It's still a pig. You can't put holiness on the old man. It's still a pig. The same applies. The only way to get holiness is to get new. You can stand with me. I'm going to close here. I believe what the Lord is doing tonight. I believe he's giving us some introduction to some things. I I could keep reading verses but an intro is an intro. The Lord wants you and I to be new. He wants us to be renewed. He wants us to be transformed. And he wants that done yesterday. What does that mean? That means he doesn't want you to go on any longer the way you have gone on if that's not you. Can we pray, Lord? God, I pray that you speak to me through your word. God, I believe that your word is true. Every word, every scripture, Lord, I believe it is true. God, I pray that you see this man, Lord, that you created, and I pray that it would be the new man. God, I pray that it would be after you created in righteousness and true holiness. God, any time I see anything to do with that old man, I want to do what the Scripture says and put it off. I want to take it off, God. I don't want that a part of me. I don't want that a part of my story. I don't want that a part of my life, my present, God. I don't want it affecting the things in my mind. Jesus, I don't want it to be something I ever dwell on. God, I pray that you would bring healing. God, you are the one that binds up the hurting. You are the one, God, that heals every broken heart. God, you're the one. I pray let this be, God, the, the process that you want to take us through. Lord, and let us be submitted to it. Let us be open to it. The work that you want to do in us, God, to bring wholeness. God, to bring healing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I don't want my flesh to glory at all. God, I don't want there to be any 
any element of pride in me, Lord, associated to anything to do with the old man. God, I'm putting that all in your hands. God, I believe that is washed under your blood. God, I believe that that is forgiven. God, I believe that that is made clean and made whole. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, do this work in us, I pray, God. I don't like telling stories about myself. <sighs> Not at all. But I'm going to tell you this one. <sighs> we were we were speaking to somebody about their uh, problem with music they had a problem they had a problem I'll say that past tense in faith they had a problem with music and oh I was bobbing and weaving as they say in boxing in my own mind to, to, to make any story about me not because I feel like my story can't help somebody. You understand the difference. I know that, that God can do anything through anyone at any time. But you see, the old man wanted to start the conversation from a place of pride with how much I know music. I don't even know it that much, honestly. I, I'm not, it's making myself sound even better. That's why I don't like telling stories about myself. But I, I, I wanted to start from a place of pride by saying, I know about this. And, but that's why, I was, that's why I say I was not, I was purposely not going there in the conversation because this is not about me. It's, not, it's definitely not about the old me. You understand? The moment I make it about the old me, I got to go back through this whole lesson again. That guy's gone. Dead and gone, never to be heard from again. Passed away. But the conversation kept going. And probably I should have just ended it and thought, we're not going to get where I hoped to get. But I'm human. And I thought, well, if God's not going to steer this conversation there, maybe I will. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, didn't do any good. All it did was remind me of the old me. Didn't help the individual at all. And that's from a place of experience 
and knowing, don't go there, don't start there, don't say that, it's not going to help, you don't need to do that, it's, it's not the needed thing here. But see, I want to I interject myself to help God like He needs help. Either that, that's being kind, or I want to interject myself because I like those things about myself. That's not being kind, but it's being honest. That's why I got to get healed of those things. I believe that. Amen. Yes. One more time, can we pray? Lord, I want you to help me. God, I pray, let there be no flesh left in my life, God. I want it to be just the Spirit of God, as the Scriptures say that we've read tonight, Lord. God, I want to put off that old man. I want to put off the, the former conversations, the former lifestyles, God. Not just to overcome them, Lord, but to move beyond them. Lord Jesus, to move away from them, Lord God, so that I am no longer associated with them. I pray you do this healing work in us tonight, God. In Jesus' name, thank you for it. Can we give the Lord some thanks? God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you for your goodness and your love. I thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Amen. I'm going to let the Lord take you from here. Because this conversation is not over. But I'm done talking. Amen. Let the Lord continue to deal with you about this. Take it to him in prayer. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.